0: Hey guys, welcome to Church in the Valley on a normal Sunday where there is nothing else happening. Um, why don't y'all gather into your seats? If you guys are coming this way in person, you guys can grab some lyric sheets or connection cards and little packets of pens and stuff over there at the connection called the connection table. Um, please return your pens after service, please. But um, if you guys are online joining us, we also want to welcome you and. Thank you for tuning in. You guys can find everything online at CIVLHammer.com forward slash Sunday, where you can find a virtual connection card as well as some speaker notes and more information that you will need for everything else. But, is anyone watching the Super Bowl today? Yeah, yeah? yeah? And who, who, are, who are we rooting for? Bengals. Bengals. I heard everything, inc- nuts. <laughs> All right. Cowboys, Cowboys yeah. <laughs> why don't we stand and worship because if we can give a great cheer and a great shout of joy for someone taking a piece of leather down to the end of a grassy field let's let's sing and let's give our joy and our strength to god literally the one who has defeated death who has won every victory over sin and addiction for us Um, and let's just praise him this morning
1: breaks the power who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder And leave us breathless in awe and wonder The King of glory, the King above all kings Sing if it's great! This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place Sing for all that you've done for me. Say, who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The king of glory, the king of glory. You would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free oh, Jesus I sing for All that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King. One more time, declare He is worthy, and worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Oh, worthy is the King who conquered the Sing for all that you've done for me. We sing for all you've done.
0: what oh, she does. And we're going to welcome Marco for some
2: announcements. Good morning. My name is Mark Klebsig, and I co-lead a community group here at Church in the Valley, and we just wanted to welcome all of you as well as those of you joining from home. Thanks for spending your time with us here this morning. Um, If you're our guest this morning, we do have a book for you that's called How Good is Good Enough that you can find on the resource table over to my left. And um, we'd love for everyone to fill out a connection card this morning. That's how we get to know what's going on with you, how you can share prayer requests so the staff can pray for you during the week. Um, And so if you're a regular here at Church in the Valley, fill in whatever makes sense, whatever might be new information, uh, contact information changes. If you're a guest, just fill out whatever um, is comfortable for you, whatever you're willing to share. And um, if you're welcome to, uh, to give to support our church online as well as the offering bucket, again, on the resource table to my left, And um, that is about it. We're short and sweet this morning as we try to expedite the time. Oh, wait. No, we're not thinking about the Super Bowl. Never mind. (laughs) Um, As we continue in worship of our God. Thank you. Thank you.
3: no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again. Because there's no prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can't move, all things are possible. There's no broken body you can't raise, no soul that you can't save. All things are possible, the darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up, oh God of revival. no broken body you can't raise, no soul that you can't save, all things are possible, things are possible.
4: My cross you bore, so I could live in the freedom you died for. And now my life is yours, and I will sing of your goodness. Now in the heavens as your glory fills this place.
5: for the time that we have together this morning, thank you for the weather, that it's sunny and it's warm, um, and we just pray for John as he speaks today, um, and that you would really um, prepare our hearts to hear the words that Are they on? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, They're really on. Okay, um, so I just wanted to share with you guys. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I just wanted to share with you guys something really amazing that happened to me yesterday. I've been having a really hard semester last semester, and I've just really been struggling with believing that Jesus is good and that he loves me and I He not work everything together for my good, and that he wants me, not for what I do, for who I am. And... <laughs> And I have a lot of, like, I keep getting injured. I have a lot of medical problems. Um, and so I have this nerve problem, and it really started affecting my foot this week. And um, uh, yesterday I went to the women's event um, that Challenge had as a USC ministry on campus. Um, and afterward, me and some friends went to get pho. And one of my friends, Bryn, who is, like, amazing, um she was really has really been praying for me throughout this really difficult season. Um, and she just really prayed that my foot would be healed in the car. It wasn't, but it was like, the things we talked about were really good. But I was able to just really, just tell like, all the girls at dinner like how much I've been struggling with my, with my faith and just believing um, that God is good. Um, and so, um, and then on the way back to the car, we were going to pray again for my foot. And it got to the point where I literally could not walk. Um, and um, Bryn was like, okay, let's just stop here and pray, so she prayed for my foot, Um, and honestly, like, I was having trouble believing that God really wanted to heal me, Um, and, okay, spoiler alert, I'm still on crutches, like, you'll see me on crutches today, but, (laughs) but literally, she prayed, guys, and for, like, a good, like, 10 seconds, like, the pain in my foot just went away, and I started screaming and jumping, and everyone started screaming and jumping. We started hugging, and everyone around us thought we were crazy, I'm sure, but it didn't matter. We were jumping and screaming and praising God, just like the guy in the Bible who got healed. And then, like, I started to walk a few steps, and then suddenly the pain, the pain just, like, came back. Um, and we prayed, and so we were like, okay, we're going to have to pray again. So we prayed again. Um, but this time, Bryn was like, okay, Molly, like, maybe you just need to confess this to God, like, your, the, your disbelief, and not because, like, God's angry, but just di- confessing it to just tell him, to cast my anxieties on him, and to ask for grace from him, to just help me believe in him again, because it's always been so easy for me to believe and trust in him, but it just suddenly became so hard. And so he did, um, through the pr- me confessing, like, immediately in my prayer, I just felt this, like, spirit of peace wash over me, um, and like suddenly, I just knew. Like I, after confessing that the enemy just felt so big and I felt so small, suddenly he was just like, "Like you're not small." And I was like, "Oh, I know that I'm not small." And like it just all of a sudden, like everything that I've just been really dealing with just faded away, and um, I just felt so free. And then we, and so I didn't get healed. Like but I, but Brynn was like Molly, like maybe the thing that God was trying to heal is not your foot. Maybe it's your heart. And honestly, I was like, I am okay with that. Like I could like, I cannot care less about my foot or my physical injuries right now. I just want to believe in him again and I do. So I just wanted to share that to share cuz we're singing a song about the God of revival and I believe that God is going to revive us. He wants to revive us and we need it and we need his help, his grace to believe in him. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs>
6: Thanks for sharing, Molly. All right, so we're good for the day, right? You guys all go home. (laughs) Um, You know, it's hard to top stories like that of God changing hearts. So thank you for sharing, Molly. Um, Well, good morning, everyone. I hope that you had a great week. It is the Super Bowl today, so you are lucky. I worked hard and I cut down my message from six hours to five and a half. So be encouraged. Um, And for all of you who live by USC or on the west side, And have to drive back today after church. Good luck. Uh, The rest of us will enjoy actually watching the game. Um, Now, today we're going to be finishing our message series on the journey of life. And to give you a recap of what we've gone through so far, Neil kicked off the series by talking about a fresh start. And in life, we're going to have many areas that we need fresh starts in. You may have a fresh start in a new relationship. Um, a new job, a new season of life. And for those who decide to follow Jesus, there's the ultimate fresh start in choosing to put our old ways of life off, instead choosing to be a part of the kingdom of God and living by his ways. Um, And Neil also discussed that the kingdom of God, what that actually is, it's wherever God's will is being done. It's his rule and reign here on earth and now and into the future. And then Jeremy discussed with us some next steps, um, ways that we can follow God after taking that fresh start. So we looked at getting to know and enjoy the king, really getting to know who God is, to love him, learning to do life with, uh, with people in God's kingdom. You know, we're a kingdom filled with, um, with unperfect people that we're going to have to work with. And then how to align our values and ways of living with those in God's kingdom. And Jeremy, you know, looked at some guardrails, Uh, That can help us in life really live the wonderful life that God has designed for us. And then last week, Jeep shared with us how it is that we can make a difference in our lives by focusing in on the Great Commission and making disciples. Um, And so what Jeep shared with us is how we first do that is by first tasting the goodness of God. We have to taste the goodness of God ourselves to be able to share that with others. And then next, we need to relate well and share our lives with others. We cannot impact people's lives if they don't know who we are. So we have to share our lives with them. And then finally, we can have an impact, we can create a difference in people's lives by getting them to imitate us. Um, As we follow God, if others follow us, then that's gonna help them in turn follow God. Now today, we're gonna be discussing how do we finish well in our journey of life? Now, depending on your stage in life, you know, you may be thinking, whoa there, Haas. Like, I, I you know, I'm just getting started. It's going to be a little bit before I need to finish. This may be a little bit premature for me. But, you know, the reality of finishing well is that it's actually a lifelong adventure. So it doesn't matter whether you're just getting started or whether you're in a later stage in life. You know, what you do today can ha- make a real impact about whether you finish well and the kind of impact you can have on your life. And just as we are constantly starting new things, we are actually constantly finishing um, seasons and stages of life. You know, you may be about to finish school. Perhaps you're finishing one job and are about to start another one. You know, maybe you're finishing raising your kids and are about to launch them out into the world. You know, whatever it is that you're looking at finishing, whether even if it's that ultimate finish line of going and joining Christ in heaven, no matter what finish line is coming up on your horizon, the steps that we take today determine whether we finish well or whether we miss the mark. You know, they help determine whether we're going to look back at with satisfaction about what we did or whether we're going to look back with regret. And finishing well does not happen by accident. It comes from an intentional life. So how how is it that we finish well? What do we do in order to finish well in life? Well, the first thing we need to do is we have to to finish well is to start running in the right direction. We have to run or we have to journey in life to the right finish line. We are all going somewhere in life. We're all on our journey. Each and every one of us is investing our lives in something. We are going in a direction. We are going somewhere. The question is, will we really like the destination when we get there? You know, I I think in our culture, we don't often relate um, how what we do today affects our culture. I know I don't think about the little choices I am making today are going to affect where I am in a few years, where I'm going to affect in many years. But that's really how God made the world. If we look in Galatians, at Galatians 6-7, we see Paul writing this, says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that he will also reap. You know, yesterday I actually spent a little bit of time planting some flower seeds and planting some bell pepper seeds. Now, if I hope that I'm going to get a lime tree out of that, then I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Because what you sow determines what you reap. The direction that we are going in life determines the destination that we are going to arrive at. And it also actually influences how difficult the journey is going to be. So I'm going to tell you a a story that's a little bit embarrassing, um, but I think illustrates this point well. Now, I come from a very small rural area. And where I come from, you didn't have to be good at sports to participate. You just had to show up. And I showed up from when I was in sixth grade to my sophomore year of high school to cross country. Now, I I know you guys are all looking at me and thinking, I can totally see, you were the most amazing cross-country runner. No, 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 no. Let me shatter your expectations here. I was terrible. The best I can say I ever did was in one race, I got third because there was three of us. That's right. That's right. I'm like the Olympian who goes first, and so they sit in the gold middle bracket for a second. Like, that was me. Um, Well, so coming in the small town, you know, I showed up, so I was part of the cross-country team. And also coming from a small town, we also tended to compete against other small areas. Now, while I was terrible, my teammates actually weren't. And so both my freshman and sophomore year of high school in cross country, we actually made it to the state cross country meet where I got to run against people who actually can run well. And so you can imagine how that went. Now I don't know if it's a little different in the city, but the first thing we did whenever we were showed up at a cross country meet is we'd walk the course because you had to know where you were going when you're running. We'd be up in the mountains, in the woods, out in the fields. You didn't necessarily know where to go. You had to walk the course so that you knew where to go while you're running it. Now I don't know what we were thinking, but we went to the state cross country meet and we did not walk the course. Um, but not to worry because there's going to be officials at every major junction so that they will tell you where to go. So, you know, we didn't walk the course. I don't know we were being stupid, but it doesn't matter. So the race starts and I start running, which for most people, you know, most runners is like a slow jog. So I start running. Now here's the problem. When I got to those junctions, the officials had left because they thought everyone had already come through. (laughs) No, no, no. So as you can imagine, I actually got a little lost. State cross-country meet, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just running in directions. I actually would stop and ask people where I was supposed to be going, and every once in a while, I'd literally have to turn around and start running back the other direction. And so I I did finish in the end. Um, I finished while the next race was finishing. Literally, they were running in, I was running at the same time. Well, let me tell you, my friends, that's not how you want your life to be. You don't want to spend life, you know, using tons and tons of energy, running miles and miles and miles, only to find out you're going in the wrong direction, that you're not going to get where you want to get to. Paul addresses it this way. In 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27, he says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. So we have a goal that we're trying to get to. We actually need to run in the direction where we can potentially actually win that prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. You know, I don't run in random directions. I do not box as one beating the air. We don't flail about our arms thinking that that is actually connecting with our opponent in the ring. But I discipline my body and keep it Under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, Paul was saying here, I'm pointing other people in the direction to go. I don't point to them and say the finish line's over there and then start running that way. We have to discipline ourselves to choose to run in the right direction to the right destination. And if we are following Jesus, we're on a journey to an imperishable wreath, and we don't want to miss the mark and miss the prize. Hustling in any direction is not the same as running to the right one. So what is that destination? What's that direction that we need to be running in order to finish well? Well, thankfully, that's exactly what Neil, Jeremy, and Jeep have been speaking about for the last three weeks. You know, it's an intentional life of glorifying God, seeking to get to know Him and love Him, and taking part in the work that He has for us here on earth. So if you missed any of their messages, I highly encourage you this week to go back and listen to those. You will not be disappointed. The destination we arrive at, how we finish each stage of life, will result in the direction that we're traveling today. We have to be intentional in life to fight to stay on the right path in the journey. Without this, we really cannot hope to finish well. So that first thing, we have to go in the right direction. The second thing we need to do to finish well is we need to watch out for tripping hazards that can cause us to stumble and to get off track. Now, today, I'm, I'm going to look just at four tripping hazards, and this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, really, you know, each one of these could be an entire message series itself. But I want to go over these four because I think that they're a little bit sneakier in terms of how they can get us off track, or at least they are for me. So the first two tripping hazards are identified in the parable of the sower. Um, and in the parable of the sower, what Jesus is doing is he's giving a picture of Four types of people who hear the word of God and the impact that it has on their lives. And Jesus describes people as different types of soil, he describes some as a path, you know, very hard ground. Um, some as rocky soil, weedy soil, or good soil. And then he describes the word of God as seed that's being planted with the hopes of producing fruit. So we're going to look at Matthew 13:18 through 23, where Jesus is explaining the meaning behind the parable. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So, for some people to hear the word of God has no impact in their lives. It comes and it goes. The enemy takes it away. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So some people, they hear the word of God, something begins to grow, but as things get difficult, it ends. It, it, it goes away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves them fruitful. So for some people, they receive the word of God, it starts to grow in their heart, but ultimately, because of these things, they are not able to ever produce fruit. They don't finish well. Um, You know, and it may be that they're in church their whole life, that they're always doing religious things, but they never get to that point of producing fruit. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. So Jesus identifies the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches as two tripping hazards that can stop us from finishing well, or in the case of this parable, can stop us from producing fruit. They can cause us to fear off the journey that we want to be on in life and miss that mark of finishing well. So we're going to start by looking at the cares of the world. Now, the sinister thing about the cares of the world is that it is not sinister at all. Do you have cares in life? Are there things that you're concerned about? Is there anything that can take up your mental and emotional energy? You know, I know that's true for me. You know, have you ever had a day where you were really encouraged to follow God? You know, there was something you felt like he was telling you that you, you should do something you wanted to grow in. But as you went through the day, as you started handling responsibilities, started handling everything that came up, you suddenly completely forgot about that attention intention and got to the end of the day. You know, that, that definitely happens to me. And these are the things that the verse is discussing. It's things such as deadlines at work, uh, concerns about our families, our kids, our future, you know, concerns about the Super Bowl. Who's going to win? Is my chili going to win the cook-off today? You know, it, it's the cares of the world are everyday things that we need to deal with, things that we have to take care of things that are not bad in of themselves. But if we're not careful about how we view them, they can distract us and take us off course um, from following God towards the finish line that he sets up. And the reality of the cares of the world is that they're without us throughout our entire life. Whenever we finish one, a new one is going to pop up. You know, even my six-year-old has cares in life that can get him distracted from what he needs to be doing. But we have to be careful not to let these cares take our eyes off of God, but instead handle them through the power of God. So we can't put cares of the world off. Instead, what we need to do is, instead of focusing our attention on the cares, we need to focus on our attention on our, our, our on. Whoa, sorry. We need to focus our intention on Christ through the cares. We want to look at Christ and let His will. And his ways, by his de- by His power, define how we deal with those cares. So it's what we focus on in that, in that moment. So the cares of the world, that's something that can trip us up. Another one that Jesus identifies in the parable of the sower is the deceitfulness of riches. Now, money, like cares in life, is a little bit tricky because money is not bad. In fact, we all need money. Um, you know, we need it to take care of our responsibilities in order to be able to share with others. You know, much of our life in part is used towards earning money. The problem with money is that it has such a potential for really exciting and wonderful things, you know, things that God actually has given us to bless us, that we can begin to pursue it and use it as a replacement in needing to trust and hope in God. So we distort money into being like a God for us. And so what's meant to become a blessing to us is actually our downfall. You know, riches seem like they can take care of everything, But it's a deceitful trap. So to stop money from trapping us, we must keep it in its right place. We can't give into its deceitfulness and trust it, but instead we must continually trust in God and realize that God has given it to us as a stewardship to be used in ways that please him. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, As for the rich in this present age They're not to be thinking highly of themselves, like, I got this all together. I'm self-adequate because I have all this money. But instead, the rich are to be outward focused, using their money for the good of others and not just for themselves. And we want to grab onto what is truly life, trusting and following God, not trusting and following money. So to finish well, we have to keep money in its proper place. So the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, these are two things that can cause us to stumble, cause us to get off track. And another one is running on our own strength. God has given us an ability to handle a whole lot in life. He's made us resilient, intelligent, creative, ready to go through a long journey. Consequently, we can start to think, you know, I can handle it all. I got this, man. God has made me awesome. I can do this. Yet, as resilient and as strong as we may think we are, we were never meant to go through life on our own strength. We were designed to be in a relationship with God. And if we try to go through life on our own strength, we're going to find that weariness and discouragement will drag us down from making it very far in that race. And we're going to start looking for an easier path, a path different from God. So if you find yourself constantly weary in or weary of life, you know, this might be something that uh, you're a trap that you're falling into. But again, we're designed to go through life with God. And he promises he will be there for us and to give us that strength. Isaiah 40, 30 through 31 says, Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Now, if you have any doubt about how energetic young men can be, On any normal Sunday, you just watch Luke Stevens sprint back and forth with those kids chasing him. And he just keeps going, which I appreciate because it keeps my kid running and running. You know, young men have a lot of energy, but they will fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Have you ever watched an eagle take off? You know, it's very majestic and it's very effortless that they're able to take into the air. They shall run and not be weary; they shall walk and not faint. You know, our our life is kind of like an old sailing ship equipped with oars, so that rowers could help move the ship forward. Well, likewise, God in life has given us abilities; He's given us resilience because we are supposed to take part in that labor. We are supposed to row. Uh, We're supposed to work. But if we think that by rowing, we can replace the power of the wind pushing the, the the ship forward, you know, we're in for an exhausting surprise. If we think that by we're, our own strength we can control the results, that we can cross that ocean, we're gonna burn ourselves out. So, choosing, we have to choose to live um, by the strength of God. And this is a daily choice that we have to make. Because the reality is, in the middle of the race, in the middle of the journey, you know, sometimes we can look around and go, wow, you know, I've, man, I've made it so far. Well, man, look at this. And we forget that God was the one who's been propelling us there. And what we can do is we can begin to let go of God's strength. We can drop the rigging of the sails and we can row, row, row. Just keep trying to go, go, go. But before long, what we're going to find is that we're going to be dragging. We're going to be exhausted. And again, we're going to start looking for an easier path to go down. So how do we rely on God's strength instead of our own? We have to embrace our own inability in order to experience Christ's ability. Again, we have to embrace our own inability to experience Christ's ability. To journey by Christ's strength, we don't rely on our own talents, abilities, wisdom, endurance to get us to the destination, to get us to the results that we want. You know, we don't try to row across that ocean. Instead, we seek to live out God's will, his ways, embracing our weakness, and rely on his power. And then we have to leave the results of what happens up to him. <clears throat> so, tripping hazards, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, trying to go by our own strength. And the last one is going it alone. And this, this is a tripping hazard, which I would say our culture especially loves. You know, we love the story of the lone hero who brings justice You know, the lone businessman who succeeds, the lone adventurer who climbs the mountain. And I don't know about you, but when I was in school, the thing I I liked least were group projects. Because, you know, it's just so much better to do it by myself and do whatever I want. Um, We like that idea of the lone man and woman. You know, even the American army called for a while, carried the slogan, an army of one. And, you know, part of the reason that they ended up changing that is because there is no such thing as an army of one. You know, despite what every 80s action movie like Rambo taught us, there is no army of one. Armies are about teamwork. It's about people working together. And now maybe you're thinking, you know, I get that. But we just talked about this. I'm walking with God. It's me and God going together. I'm not by myself. Well, that is true. But that also is not how God designed us to operate. Our journey in life, our, our, our faith is personal, but it's not private. We are called and created to work together. And God actually speaks of Christians as part of a metaphorical body, needing the rest of the body to operate properly. So when we go it alone, it's like cutting off our arms and our legs and hoping that we're going to be able to do everything that we need to do, that we're going to be able to function well and do more than, than we could do with others. You know, Paul, Paul was a great man. Um, he was a disciple maker who arguably had, you know, has had some of the greatest influence on this world since Christ. Yet he didn't even go it alone. Throughout his letters, we see that he had people he was running in life with. We have to have running mates. We need running mates. Those who will help us, encourage us, challenge us, and will work with us to get further down the race in life towards finishing well. There's an African proverb, which I think fits this well. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And one of the great things about running mates is they actually help us avoid the tripping hazards, other tripping hazards. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But whoa listen to that, whoa, to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Running mates help us see when we're about to trip. They help us see when we've taken a few steps or a few miles off track. You know, if I had had running mates with me at that cross-country course, I might not have had to run so long before I knew where I was going. Running mates encourage, correct, and challenge us. So we have to be connected with other believers to really make it far in the journey of life and to be able to finish well. We need other men and women in our lives. We have to be connected to the church, to the body of Christ. So we want to avoid the tripping hazards. We want to avoid the care, you know, be careful of the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, trying to run on our own strength and going it alone. And then the third thing we need to do in order to finish well is when we fall... When we get off track, we have to get back up and keep moving forward. You know, at some point in our journey in life, we are going to fall. You know, those tripping hazards, they're going to get us. And so the question is, is it going to be a small trip or are we going to be down and out for a long time? We can get distracted and go in the wrong direction. And not only through our own sin can we do this, but... um, it can happen through other things that come and knock us off course. Because, you know, the world is against the ways of God. Trouble in life is not a matter of if, but when. So when we fall, when we get off course, for whatever reason it may be, we need to get back up and keep moving forward. Proverbs twenty-four sixteen says, For the righteous fall seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Even the righteous ones fall again and again, but they keep back, keep getting back up and moving forward. And as we saw in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, walking with others is so important for this because they can really help us get back up. So as an illustration to this, I want to show you a clip from the movie of Chariots of Fire, um, Olympics. Yeah. Well, so what this is, this is a movie about the life of Eric Little. And Eric Little, he was a Scotsman um, who was an amazing athlete. And he ended up running for England in the 1924 Olympics and became a national hero. After that, he moved to China, leaving it all behind to become a missionary for China. Um, and what this, what this uh, video is, is it shows one of the races before the Olympics just in terms of his athletic gen- journey. So let's go ahead and watch that.
1: Get up.
6: You guys can there. So, you know, what's awesome about this clip is that actually happened. You know, th- this is real. Eric was in a race um, where he fell down. And, you know, he could have easily have given up. You know, I could have said, it's too hard. Like, there's no way I can catch up to those guys. You know, he could have had a, a bad attitude about this. Like, it's not fair. He could have even had a really great attitude out of it. Like... You know what? Sometimes these things happen next time. But what he did was he got back up. He was 20 yards behind the other runners, and he busted it running for the prize. Now, thankfully in life, we actually are not competing against anyone else. So be encouraged if you're not fast. Um, We're not competing against anyone else. What we are competing to is whether we will finish well. And Eric, in this race he finished well. And not only that, he finished well in life as he went to China um, and became a missionary there. So when we fall, we have to get back up. We look to God's grace and his forgiveness. It doesn't matter how far we've gotten off track, how bad that stumble was. God's grace, which is his favor, which we do not deserve, is strong enough that if we rely on it, It'll help us get going in the back, back in the right direction. So in order to finish well, we need to go in the right direction. We need to watch out for tripping hazards. And when we fall, we need to trust in God's grace and get back up and keep moving forward. Now, w- why? Why is this so important? You know, why does it matter whether we finish well? Why not just go where life will take us and try to enjoy the ride? Well, I'm going to give two reasons why I think we need to seek finishing well. First of all, God promises us a reward in heaven for our faithfulness here on earth. Now, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like or what that's going to mean. But what we do know is that we have a good God. And when he promises that something is so good and worthwhile, that we can trust him and know it's worth the effort. And secondly, it comes back to what Neil talked about in the very first week of this message series what do you want your life to be about? Do you want to have an impact that's felt into eternity? Or do you want to live and then die and have it be like you never lived at all? Because the truth is we don't know what hangs in the balance of us finishing well. And to illustrate this, I'm going to use an illustration I recently heard myself that I think really captures the importance of finishing well. We're going to look at Paul. Paul is a great example of what looks like to finish well and what that can mean for the world and for a life. Now, Paul was a man who God had assigned to carry his message to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people throughout the Roman Empire. And about 10 years into his ministry, Paul was put under house arrest in Rome, essentially waiting for the day that he would be killed for his faith. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think for me, if I had seen God give me assignment and then I suddenly went to jail like I'd have been like, wait a second, what happened here? You know, I'm supposed to be out there making disciples, starting churches, not sitting here in jail. Like, I think that would have been a big struggle for me. And Paul, he couldn't go out. He couldn't keep doing the thing that he had been doing up until that point. So what did Paul do? Well, he sought to be faithful. And so he decided that he was going to do what he could. He sat down and decided to write some letters to some churches, to some believers, to really encourage them and challenge them. Now, who knows exactly what Paul was hoping to achieve with those letters, but he probably never could have imagined the impact that they would have. These letters that Paul wrote at this time were the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Philemon, Philemon. I had to ask Neil how to pronounce that earlier. I cannot. Philemon. Uh, And these books have had a huge impact in the church, across the centuries. You know, they have helped shape Western culture. So what hung in the balance of Paul finishing well? We did, right here. Our church, every believer who follows Christ, hung in the balance of Paul finishing well. And so we don't know what may hang in the balance of us finishing well at our current job, us finishing well in school, and what, us finishing well in life. And so just as we have this great example of Paul finishing well and the great impact that can have, sadly, there's also many stories of people who didn't finish well and the consequences that that has, the implication that it had for generations of families. We don't know what finishing well may mean for the future of our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, our coworkers, roommates, teachers, classmates. But if we're intentional about how we live today, then we can work towards finishing well and can have an amazing chance to make an impact in the lives of others. So to close, I want to encourage you to think about the last four messages. um, And if you've missed any, to really go back and listen to them and think through where are you in the journey of life? Uh, What is it that God is pointing out to you to be working on and to keep going to go on that right path? And so, go ahead, if the band can go ahead and come back up. To, to close this out as a, sort of a summary or a charge um, for this message series, I'm going to read Romans 12:1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, and acceptable, and perfect. Thanks.
0: Thanks, John. Well, hey, we're going to take some time to just think about that, meditate on that. Um, As John said, think about where each of us are in this journey of life. What parts of life are we starting? What parts of life are we finishing? What chapters are we closing? And what chapters are we just beginning to write? We're uh, partaking God's story with us. Um, and yeah, are there tripping hazards? Are there things we need to realign? And as we sing these songs, just about our direction in life, about looking heavenwards and setting our lives to really what Christ has called us to, um, I encourage you to, to sing with us as you feel comfortable. <laughs>
1: Is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. And every prayer we prayed in desperation. Songs of faith we sing through doubt and fear. In the end, we'll see that it was worth it when He returns to wipe away our tears. Oh, When death will be no more Standing face to face With he who died and rose again Holy,
3: holy is the
4: Lord
1: And on that day We join the resurrection Side, the heroes of the faith, with one voice, a thousand generations Seaworthy Worthy is the Lamb who slain. Oh, for
3: Suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be mad. Puts me in the fire. I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be full my feelings. I hold fast to what is true. Cause if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection. Life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you in your. all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, and my song will be the same, oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified. Fight in
0: me. This is our story. We've been brought from death and into life. And that's why we run this race, this new
1: direction that God
0: has given us. So just sing of my testimony. I saw Satan fall.
1: And I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. Still, the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Yeah! And I believe in signs and wonders. I have a resurrection power. Still, the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Oh, yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. See how this is my testimony? This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, this is my testimony And come together And come together sons and daughters Bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father, our God, will finish what He started. Yes, oh, our God, will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony, this is my testimony. Yeah! yeah. Check it out. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. I'm not dead, you're not done Greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, you're not done